Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today, I have a really neat guy I want to introduce to you. His name is Miles Edward Allen. He's the author of many books on our favorite subject, including The Survival Files, the most convincing evidence yet compiled for the survival of your soul, and The Afterlife Confirmed, even more convincing evidence from The Survival Files. He's the president of ACES and the creator of the Evidence Scoring System. There's so much more to this great man, so I'd like to give a warm welcome to Mr. Miles Edward Allen. Miles, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Well, thank you for having me, Sandra. Oh, it is my sincere pleasure. I'm very excited when I started looking you up on the Internet and um, really looking at some of your books. And how in the world did you ever get into this? I know somewhere in your um, bio mentions you weren't even interested in this kind of thing until you read a book in college. Tell us a little bit about you, how you... Yeah, I was, I was pretty much a secular materialist, uh, agnostic, hedonist, whatever, whatever popular term there was. Wow, but, that says a lot. So uh, not into this, pretty much, right? And uh, I came across a book, uh, I think in a college bookstore, called How to Make ESP Work for You. Wow, okay. Uh, by Harold Sherman, uh, who I'd never heard of at the time. But uh, So I thought this would be a good fun time. I could go have a good joke. I can read this and it'll be fun poking holes in it. Yeah, um, a little entertainment Paul, purpose. And yeah. I'm, very, I'm a very right, uh, left-brain person, uh, mm-hmm. very logical, all that kind of thing. Um, so I uh, took it home and I read it. And when I finished it, I said to myself, this guy is either the greatest liar on earth or there's something to this stuff. Hmm. So I read that some more and I started reading more and uh, it's just a period of an accretion over decades uh, of reading lots of different books, uh, studying and talking to people and documents, probably four or five hundred books and then several thousand documents later. Wow. I am uh, now, uh, I won't say I'm a believer um, because people ask me if I believe, why do I believe? I say I don't believe. I don't believe in this stuff. I have looked at it carefully. I've considered the facts. I have researched it. I have come to the logical conclusion that it is true. I know it is true. It's not a question of belief. Belief is what you do when you don't have the facts to back you up. I've got the facts to back me up. You just brought a huge smile to my face and goosebumps to my skin. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a great thing. Um, yeah, you know, all of us, or most of us anyways, when we're old enough, have somebody we've lost. And, you know, grief's a big part of it. And we've and we all been trained to have faith, well, a lot of us from religious backgrounds. But sometimes faith just isn't good enough. And so to hear, uh, like, a knowing from you that it's, like, you have the evidence. It's like, I want to know more. So um, because you know your story better than we do. Uh, what would you like to share with us about some of this evidence and um, maybe some of the first things? I, I don't I don't know. I don't even know what to ask you, but tell us more of your story. <laughs> well, I don't we want, want to go into any long speeches, but... Uh, yeah, well, if I, they move I, us, go for it. <laughs> things really got moving. Uh, I was working uh, for the government. I was a director of a, a division in the Environmental Protection Agency. I had a guy working for me who was a... Um, 
had several doctorates. He was a Mensa graduate. He was a he was very much the outspoken atheist type. Mm-hmm. I I got to some discussions with him. I went and looked in some of my books back then, and this was back in the 70s. Um, I looked at um, I put together a series of things I cut and pasted, Xeroxed and pasted. I mean, really cut and pasted. This was before computers, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I gave this to him to read. I and mean, this this was my evidence. This was, uh, and he looked at it and he gave it back about five minutes later. This was about fifty pages. He had looked at the first one. He had made some comments, scribbled some things in the notes, and then he said he wasn't going to waste his time looking at the rest of it. And this was my introduction to the to the true skeptic who mm-hmm. who just refuses to consider the evidence and knows he's right and therefore won't waste his time looking at at the facts. That sort of drove me nuts. After I retired from the government, I was doing various projects that I thought was, you know, that I had started and never finished. And I came to one, and that was this little collection of Xerox uh, copies of pieces of books. I said, you know, maybe there's something I can do with this. And I started uh, looking into more research, doing more research, and ended up creating something called the survival files. I don't think there's maybe but one case in the out of the 23 in the survival files that was in that original collection. But uh, they're all much, much stronger now. And uh, from the survival files, from writing that book, I got into the idea of how do you rate, how do you rate a case? How do you mm-hmm. decide what's more evidential or what's more convincing? I wanted, I thought that people who do this, and there's a lot of people doing what we're doing, mm-hmm. I thought they would probably be more effective if they could speak with one voice, if they were all talking about the same evidence. So I said, well, we'll never decide that. We'll never all agree. Uh, you know, pardon me. We will never all agree right. on what the best evidence is, but maybe we can agree on a rating system that will give an objective view of what the best evidence is. Um, so I created over several years something called uh, the evidence scoring system, and it's a decision tree. You answer yes or no to a series of questions, and at the end it gives you a number, and that number is the rating for the case. Uh, and from that then grew something called the Survival Top 40, which you can get on my web on website called survivaltop40.com, and um, that's pretty much where I am today. Awesome, and but I'm dying to know, and I know everything is in the websites and in your books. But can you give out some of the um, the evidence that you have? Just maybe some of the stories. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have it divided now into uh, the twenty top reincarnation cases and okay. the twenty top spirit contact cases. Uh, and I divided it up that way because it's hard to compare one to the other. Yes. The the reincarnation cases. Um, I think right now the number one on the um, on the on the on the list is uh, the James Leininger case, uh, which was a two-year-old boy started screaming, having nightmares at night. Um, I don't know if you've discussed this on your show before. I have not. Okay. Two-year-old boy starts having uh, nightmares, screaming. Um, his mother goes in. He's kicking up in the air. He's screaming, and he's yelling. She can't quite figure out what. This goes on 
several nights in a row starts to worry her. Um, then one day she listens to him, and she realizes he's not just screaming. He's yelling words. He's yelling, um, plane on fire, can't get out. Plane on fire. Little man, can't get out. And he's kicking, and she sees he's kicking like he might be in a cockpit of a fighter or something, kick, trying to kick the, the uh, what's, what's the word for this? Uh, the canopy the or something. The canopy, thank yeah. you very much. Trying to kick the canopy off. Um, so this goes on for some time, and uh, ultimately what happens was that the father heard this, and he they started wondering, and they were told not to interfere, not to wake him up. And, but one day he's getting ready for bed, and he looks at his mother while he's sitting in her lap, and he says, Oh, Mommy, plane on fire, a little man can't get out. So she goes, she gets her husband, and they figure they can ask him, what's the little man's name? Well, the name is James. Well, that's his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of, where'd the plane from? Boat. Oh, what's the boat's name? Natoma. Hmm. This takes the husband back a little bit. He says, Natoma, that sounds like a Japanese name. The little boy gets very irate and says, no, it's American. You know, he's like, so the father, not being used to being challenged by a kid who's not out of diapers yet. Right. He finds out there actually was a ship called the Natoma Bay that fought in the Pacific in World War II. Ultimately, they find that they have, the boy gives the name of the people that were on that ship. He tells how he died. Um, how his plane was shot down, where it was shot down, um, and all of this is the husband confirms it. He's trying to disprove it because he's a very much a Christian. He does not believe in reincarnation. This challenges his beliefs totally. Sure. So he spends years trying to disprove it and ends up proving it, and they write a book about it. It's one of the best cases in the, in the world uh, that I have ever known. And there's, there are several like that. There are several with young kids who... Uh, start uh, saying things that just they could not possibly know and for various reasons it, I mean this is a it's a long book and I've got a five or six page document on the website that is a summary of that book so I can't really convince anybody or cover it very well it's just in a few words um, and that's why we've got 40 cases because I would I would recommend anyone read at least 10 of each kind as far as the um, as far as the uh, other types of cases, mm-hmm. spirit contact cases, there's an all sort of a classic uh, from the 1930s called the R101 disaster. You may have heard. No, of that. I have not. Um, it's a, a blimp. It was the R101 was the the largest blimp ever built, the Zeppelin. Uh huh. And it was done in England, and uh, they were uh, by the military in England. They had its maiden test flight, and they rushed it. They rushed it because they shouldn't. The politics politicians wanted it out there, and uh, whatever. Anyway, right. it ran into some heavy storms in France. It went down. Uh, propeller caught the jammed in the earth, twisted the engine around so that it was sparking on the hydrogen. Uh, it blew up, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, 54 people, I think, were on it. 46 of them died immediately. Two more died later in the hospital. Um, two days after that, 
there was a seance being held at one of the laboratories, research laboratories, and um, Eileen Garrett was the medium she was supposed to be. They wanted her to uh, to contact the spirit of Arthur Conan Doyle, mm-hmm. which is Sherlock Holmes. Uh, there was a newspaper reporter there who was expecting to hear from Doyle and wanted to ask him questions. But uh, instead, they get this guy named Irving, or Irwin, who uh, turned out to be the captain of the, of the R101. Wow. And he starts talking about the disaster, why it happened, where they were, what they, who they had passed over immediately previously, used all sorts of these technical terms, talked about the buildings, uplands, and things that, um, that no one at the seance had ever heard of. Um, ended up actually... The reporter put it around the world. It was in the newspapers all over the place. Um, the um, the committee that was investigating the crash actually studied the, these, uh, the transcript very carefully and actually went back and had more seances with Ivan Garrett to to talk to this uh, captain to find out what 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 happened to this airship. Um, it's a classic. It, it rates uh, 285 on my list, which is as uh, shares first place with the case of the um, the chess play, the chess game. Um, What's but, the chess game? <laughs> I know you know you know <laughs> you know your stories <laughs> better, and I, I just when we're done, I'm going to go right to your website, the Survival Top okay. 40, and start looking. <laughs> the chess game was a game between two. Um, chess masters. They both were ranked third in the world at one time. Uh, uh, the unusual part about it was that one of them had died many years before. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a man who had, was working with a medium, and some and he liked to play chess. He liked to play chess. The medium didn't know how to play chess. Okay. Someone's, someone suggested to him that, uh, well, hey, you know, uh, maybe we could find uh, somebody who would be willing to, uh, to play uh if we can get a hold of a grandmaster in the, in the spirit world and we get find one here who's willing to play it, uh, I probably incredible. would get the name mixed up. That's okay. Go ahead. No, I'm just thinking that's incredible, just even picturing that this happened. So, the, so they found a, a, a Victor Korchnoi, I believe his name was, who had at one time been rated third. I was rated third in the world at that time, um, who agreed to, to try this, and which is amazing enough in itself that mm-hmm. he would risk his reputation by saying he'd play a tournament against a ghost. But uh, so then they went and they uh, they had the medium ask the spirits uh, to try, see if they could find someone, and and they did. They found a guy named Marazzi, who had been uh, oh goodness, I'm going to get this mixed up. I think he was chuckles. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. They found a guy named Marazzi, a spirit of a guy named Marazzi, who had been, in the 1920s, a third rated in the world. Wow. And they commenced a game. The game took eight years. Um, the one player would move, and then they would give that move to the medium, and write, they would write it down, and then he would do his thing and come back, write down another move. And because they were both... Um, had other things to do. The, the, the uh, living master had uh, 
was still playing and still moving around the world, so he didn't get to it every now and then. Mm-hmm. But since it's been on the on television, they they uh, I think some six years into it, they had a thing on television where they were still playing, and they they finally met each other, or at least the medium met the uh, living grandmaster. And uh, ultimately, the living grandmaster won. <laughs> In the process, though, they asked the medium to come up with information about this. Uh, the deceased grandmaster. He came up in one afternoon with like 93 pages or something of, of data, which then they went and checked out. And they had they hired some little historian to go look in the libraries all over the world and uh, check it out. Turned out uh, he was right about virtually everything. So it's also an extremely highly rated case. There's. Uh, it goes on and on, as I say. You get a feeling after a while, you know, you read about 10 or 20 of them, and you think the skeptics are really silly because every time you listen to a skeptic talk or only skeptical websites, they always pick out some weak point, make a big fuss about it, and then ignore the rest of the evidence. Definitely. I, I have no doubt even myself and yourself starting out as a skeptic, it's so easy to just laugh off things or can't be possible but like you said in the beginning you know people aren't even willing to open their mind to the possibility you know i would have never thought years ago that the internet could be what it is you know this oh God. place yeah. in the cloud or that we could have the cell phone technology we have i mean there's so much happening here in 2015 that however many years ago, be like, nah, it's impossible. I won't even believe it. And, and look at what's happened. Oh, yeah. There was a point in my career when uh, we, there was only like about six, seven computers in the office and, uh, of maybe 80 people. And um, they were talking about this thing called the Internet and whether or not, you know, who, who could, who had a right to have it, who could access it, what they had, would mm-hmm. have to do. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, this is going to be as common as a telephone. Everybody's going to have it. They laughed at me. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, and then slowly over time, things happen, and then it's like, okay, that's real. Okay, that's real. And I, I personally believe that it's just a matter of time be, before people, uh, like enough evidence comes out. And I think, like, you have the evidence, you've shared about the evidence, um, a lot of my other guests and things that I've studied, like I think the evidence is out there, but it just, we haven't hit the tipping point yet that more people believe it than not, and, and, and that it's a regular conversation. Yes, yes, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of forces lined up against any new thing. Um, uh, there's a wonderful quote, which I can't quote you because it's a little long, but it uh, starts off uh, with the phrase, ignorance is king. I'll look that up. Uh, and it's, uh, it's by, um, it's in a book called A Canticle for Leibowitz. It's an old science fiction book. I just stumbled across it one day. And it, it's the most beautiful. I think I've got it actually in the, whoops. Did you drop the phone? Oh, there's a glitch. Yeah, I, I pulled <laughs> the wire out of my phone. That's Sorry. okay. We're still with you. Uh, William Miller is the guy who wrote it, and his quote is, Ignorance is king. Many would not profit by his abdication. Many enriched themselves by means of his dark monarchy. 
They are his court, and in his name they will defraud and govern, enrich themselves, and perpetuate their power. I love that quote. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so anyhow, that's uh, that's in the front cover of my uh, uh, Afterlife Confirmed book. Oh, I will order your book when we're done with this interview as well. Yeah, I'll pick the one. You pick, pick one you want. <laughs> You're very sweet. I can send you mine as well. Well, it's interesting. That would be nice. I would like to read yours. Yeah. I was reading a little about you, and I, I think you, you tend to be, even though you say you were a skeptic, I think you tend to be more of a the intuitive side, a little, which is good. I mean, I think we balance each other well. Thank you. Well, it's really, it's interesting to explore, and I find... Um, you know, in the beginning, you know, it was, oh, these things can't possibly be real. But the more I learned, the more I saw that, you know, that, yeah, it can all be real. Life after death is real. Like, we, we don't go on. And and so I think to have a belief, whether you call it the hereafter or our souls survive, whatever it is, it, it to me, it gives a little bit more meaning to our life now here on earth you know it gave me something to be passionate about i know i got to share with people i'm sure you've shared enough with people who have lost loved ones that have gotten a great deal of comfort hearing your words is that true i think so i don't know that i've done a lot of that but well uh, you don't know, I know who's read but i know that it can be done my, my right now my uh, mother-in-law is uh, i just lost her husband about a year ago mm-hmm. and uh, She's reading a book called Afterlife Encounters by Archangel, I think his name is. She's extremely impressed by it. She just wants to read people. (laughs) She's going around trying to read people passages from it. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, it makes a big difference to her. Uh, And she keeps saying that her husband is is, uh, visiting her. And, of course, the people there around her are laughing at her. Or not laughing at her, but they ignore her. But I think it's giving her great comfort. Yeah, it sure does. And and that's what people do. I think we're afraid to look silly. And, you know, I I was scared to death when I came out to my family, friends, work, that this is the book that I'm writing. I mean, I really thought people would think I was nuts. But the more I shared, people would secretly say, Sandra, I've got this story to tell you, or I've had this experience, or I've had that experience. And I must have met six people that had had near-death experiences that didn't tell anybody because they were too afraid of what people would think. So I think there's a whole bunch of people that are just, they believe, but it might not be okay to be verbal about it. You know, they might have exactly. fear. And what could be more important? I, I, to me, I, you know, if you think, well, what can I do in my life? Uh, what could be more important than convincing people of the truth that, that they do live on and that the conditions under which they will live on are dependent upon what they do now? Can you talk more about that? What do you mean by that? Well... Years ago, they had a terminology a lot of people used uh, called a moral, pardon me, a moral specific gravity. I think they call it. it. Basically, was a way of saying who you are will influence where you go because where you go is not a single place. There is a multiplicity of hereafters, um, and uh, and a, probably a, a progress from one to another. So that uh, the, if you want a nice, comfortable, uh, pleasant experience,
experience after you die, it behooves you to pay attention to what you're doing now because and who, everything that you do now will be carried over in some way. Every person that you injure, you are going to have to face that injury and you are going to have to experience it from their point of view before you can move on. That's what they tell us. Anyway. Mm, I've heard that um, time and time again. And um, so the key, of course, is, <laughs> it's been said before, love your neighbor. I mm -hmm. mean, that, that's, that's what it's all about uh, because we are indeed all parts of some larger consciousness. If you want to call it God, you may uh, or not. But it's, we're like uh, little nodes in a gigantic computer network, and everything is hooked to each other. Mm-hmm. I want to ask a question, and I don't know exactly how to form it into words, but the people like the chess player and the scientists and um, that can be contacted through the medium, are they still living their lives of, of science and playing chess and, and our personality lives on, that they're able to connect? Yes. Uh, the human personality and the human memory survives the demise of the physical body. For one reason is because you have lots of bodies. What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> there is, um, you know, it's like the little Russian, the Russian dolls. Where yep. You put up one and there's another one inside. You open up that, there's another one inside. Well, we're sort of like that. The outer one is our physical body. or it, It's a filter. It's a way of dealing with the material world. Uh, inside that is something called an astral body. It's a duplicate of the physical body because it grows up with it when you're born. It's sort of, it, inside that is others. You call them mental, spiritual, causal. I don't know. It's, mm -hmm. it's speculation is exactly what. But the point is you die several times when your physical body, you, you, when your physical body dies, your astral body continues to exist in the astral world, which is right around us. It's the same place we are now, really. I mean, it's just, uh, but, I mean, it's in the same space. It's not the same place, if you may. Right. Anyway, your astral body then functions, or maybe, uh, depending upon what kind of life you live, you may go back and live another one, or another physical body, whatever. But at some point, you hopefully you move on. And when that happens, your astral body dies and disintegrates and your, your spirit body moves on to the next level. And this process apparently continues until you sort of, some, you might use the word merge <laughs> with the Godhead. I mean, they've been talking about that for a long time. Uh, or you might simply say that you get a more direct connection to the mainframe. I, you know, it, whatever it is, there's an ultimate kind of, there's a beginning and an end, but the individuality, the personality, never actually ends because it simply becomes part of the whole. It's not a question of you losing your personality as yourself. It's a question of you gaining the personality of being God. Wow, that's pretty big. And it, it's interesting, too, because I'm thinking about, um, oh, I just had a, a view of my of my dad in my mind, you know, that he's... Uh, still flying airplanes and still loving all the things that he loved to do. Um, That's yes, quite possible. In in the astral, in what they well, 
called Summerland most popularly. Summerland? But, uh, Summerland. That's, that was a term that the spiritualists came up with, and I like it. It, it, it. It's sort of the place where the decent people go. Okay, not, not maybe Jesus got to skip over it, um, <laughs> but uh, the people who are have generally had a kind and decent life right. will find themselves in a place called Summerland, and, and, and it's a, it's a world that's a little more mental than ours, but it still seems very physical and very real to them. And they play games, they have sports, they they drive cars if they want to, uh, they live in houses. Um, they love each other. Uh, they travel around. It's a great life. This is this is a, this. Think about it. If you actually are infinite, or at least as far as our little minds can tell, you goes on for a very long time. Um, then this physical world is a very very brief moment in your total life. Right. Um, which, by the way, is one reason that I'm not adverse to physical things. I think we're here to enjoy the physical world. Right. And it just, uh, you know, like I'll have plenty of time to be spiritual when I'm dead. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you can be nasty. You have to be nice. Right. <laughs> you have to be loving if, or else you won't like it when you're dead. No, I'm all for loving. And I do think, you know, I took a walk around this springtime and, and into summer and some of the flowers and the weird bugs that we have around and beautiful sounds of birds chirping. I mean, there's such a beautiful, um, I don't know, painting called Earth that we live in. And it's like, this has got to be modeled after something else. I can't believe that this is all just by chance, you know, because some things are so unique and so special and beautiful and so i like the thought that there's heaven on earth and that when we get to heaven or summer land that it has reflections of earth yeah and if you want to you know any deeper we could talk for the next seven weeks about it because <laughs> i'll be uh the if i may plug a book the, you can um, plug it sure the uh the most recent book uh that i have compiled i don't even say i wrote it but i compiled it is uh, called Astral Intimacy, 50 Spirits Speak About Life, Love, and Sex After Death. Hmm. Uh, the whole, th um, the sex after death part was uh, there for two reasons. First of all, because I did find some information on the subject, and I have it in the book, which is not common. And secondly, I thought it might sell a little better that way, but, you know. Yeah, sex sells. <laughs> yeah, that's what, I, that's what I've been told. So, uh, but it's uh, it's a uh, fairly lengthy. It's a uh, uh, several uh, I don't know well over a thousand quotes, uh, fifty different sources, uh, hundreds of, of categories. Uh, so if you want to know if your pets survive or if wild if you if the if the bear in your that walked through your yard survives, or or the um, the cockroach survives or whatever you know you can find that you, you look it up in in this book. It's gotten some really wonderful reviews, so I just thought if people are really interested in a multiplicity of views about a multifaceted place, there are probably several hundred books out right now mm -hmm. that are written by a person who had an experience or who has a contact, maybe a mother whose son died or, or whatever. Um, and they say, oh, this is, what, this is what Joe says about life after death. 
And I'm sure that's exactly what Joe experienced as best he could communicate. But there's a lot more than one view of it. There's a lot more than one place. So that's why I went to the trouble of, of doing the 50 different sources. I like it. And you're compiling the common denominators, I'm sure. It's um, an encyclopedia. And also the common denominators and also the differences. I don't, I don't shy away from it when people contradict each other. Too. Yeah, because even I, I've talked to a lot of people who have had near-death experiences. And there's a lot of similarities, but there's many contradictions as well so i think just like we're all unique human beings we're gonna have unique experiences i can't say that there's the same for everybody on anything well sure think of think of a, a space people came down to earth and they sent out 20 different uh, you know scout ships and one was in the bottom of the ocean and one was in the desert and one was in the antarctica and one was in manhattan they'd all come back with quite different views of what the earth was like that's a good way of putting it Excellent. I have another question that just came up in my mind is uh, a lot of people go to mediums to connect with their deceased loved ones. And I also know that there's a lot of people that um, have seen signs from their loved ones that they're still around um, and they get great sense of peace, uh, believing that their loved ones are still around. But I've spoken to uh, one man comes to mind that I met um, this past year. And his dad had died two years ago, and he's not been able to make any contact with his dad. And so do you have any ideas as to if it's easier for some to communicate that are in the hereafter than others, if people uh, could have progressed somewhere else that they're not in communication, if people were just quiet by nature as a human being, they might not be so easy to hear. But any advice for those that... Um, really desperately want to get a sign that their loved one is still around but yet haven't heard anything yes <laughs> Sorry. you're uh, a funny man <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't mind <laughs> I have much to learn what, there definitely what do you is say? A, a wide variety of things that one might go through when one is uh, after one passes over or passes on okay. uh, you can that some people sleep for 30 or 40 years, and, you know, essentially, uh, and before they're ready to deal with the next life. Uh, a lot of it depends upon what they thought and what they were expecting. Uh, if, if this man expected to be dead and didn't believe in a life after death, I mean, there's a lot of people who just refuse to accept it. Uh, even though they're dead, even though they have passed on, and but they're sort of awake, but they to take their dreaming. Yeah, that's interesting. They, I haven't heard that before. That is, that uh, makes a ton of sense. Uh, so there's so many different uh, approaches, uh, well, so many different kinds of experience that they might have. Also, what you need to realize is you talk about we go to mediums. Uh -huh. They have to go to mediums uh, because it's not a very natural thing, uh, not a very easy thing to do this, commu this communication. Uh, if, someone wants, if someone in the spirit world wants to talk to you or I, unless they're special, they're going to have to find someone in the spirit world who has the ability to talk to a medium here. It's not, it's not just uh, we talk to the medium, we talk to the spirit often. It's, 
we talk to the medium who's talking to a spirit medium who's talking to the spirit. Interesting. So it, it's, it's, just, it's not easy, and it's not intended to be easy, I don't think. You know, I mean, we don't want, uh, do you really want great Uncle Harry coming in and talking to you all the time, giving you advice along with all the rest of the people that are bugging you? I, <laughs> I think the separation is, generally speaking, a good one. That's funny. Oh, what else should I ask you about, my friend? Oh, goodness me. Um, <laughs> well, let's see. The first two books I wrote were uh, were basically compilations of evidence, and that led to this top forty thing, which is free. Mm-hmm. You can you can read all of the evidence on the website. There's no charge for that. Survivaltop40.com. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yes, and yep. then the uh, and then I wrote one called uh, Defending Brighty's Honor. Which I don't know if uh, to me that name was obvious, but I guess I found out a lot of people don't know who Bridie Murphy was. No, uh, but Bridie Murphy was the, in the 1950s the household word because she was the person who supposedly proved that there was reincarnation. Ah, oh. uh, the guy did a book called The Search for Bridie Murphy. He was an amateur hypnotist, uh, and um, he had came across this woman who he was you know, hypnotized for some reason, and all of a sudden she was talking in terms of this Irish girl from several hundred years ago, and uh, he, they wrote a book. Anyhow, so this book is called, uh, my book is called Defending Bridie's Honor, The Reality of Reincarnation. It was written to counter uh, a couple of books that had been written about why reincarnation is not true. So if anybody's into the argumentative side of reincarnation, that would be a book for them. Excellent. Other than that, I, I don't know. I like games. I write, uh, I, I've written a game book. Uh, uh, I've written a Christmas trivia book. Yeah. And you own a greeting card company. Uh, no, well, right? I, I, yeah, technically. <laughs> technically. Go ahead. To your own internet thing. I sell a few now and then, you yeah. know. I, I, uh, yeah funoccasions.com and for our listener on we don't die radio.com i'll have miles uh he's episode number 52 and just beneath the episode i'll have all the links to the, the things that we've talked about and i even uh had seen a video on the boy you were talking about with the reincarnation story the one that was the um pilot oh yes yes he's been uh, uh on the of sightings or unexplained mysteries one of those and he and you could go on the web now and there's there's a YouTube has several uh, pieces of his parents being interviewed. And, and there's another boy, the same, a uh, very similar story. Uh, a young boy that was talking not about a war, but about uh, living uh, on an island off the coast of Britain um, called Bera, B-A-R-A. Anyhow, he uh, that's his, there's YouTube clips of this also um, because various they actually did a TV show. They actually took him to the island. And, and you know, from the time he was two years old, he insisted that he had another family, that his other mother was prettier than his mother, and he wanted to go back to her. Wow. <laughs> and it was it's, uh, it's very convincing. There's a good one about uh, uh, a guy who had a terrible uh, fear of confined spaces and the water, which is tough if you've got both of those if you're flying over the ocean. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, but this was as an adult. He went to a, 
hypnotist to find out if he could solve his problem and, and said under hypnosis he was that he died in a submarine accident in the war not an accident his submarine was was blown up by the Japanese mm-hmm. um, and uh, but he had the, the number of the sub uh, the name of the sub the some of the members of the crew of the sub the location where it went down, all that, and it was all confirmed later in, in naval records. So, that, I love those stories. What what happens to us as a kids that maybe can recall some of these past lives, and then all of a sudden we don't. We grow up and we can only access them through hypnosis. I mean, what happens to our mind? Are we just so busy learning and growing up and? That we forget. Well, there's that. Uh, what is that? The river Lethe, is it called? That, that you're supposed to. They're supposed to dip the souls in before you're born, according to Greek mythology. Mm. Uh, that makes you forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, think how really now. It's really cool like, to think about. I can remember a past life. I did this and I was that. But what if you could remember all your past lives? I mean, what if they were there just as much as your memory of any other of your earlier life was? It would drive you nuts, first of oh, all. Oh, you couldn't live this life. You couldn't live this life. You wouldn't be able to deal with today's problems. You would, you'd, you'd have all this other stuff in your head all the time. I, I don't, you know, really, it's good that they forget. Um, and usually the reason that people do remember or can recall is because there was some traumatic incident or problem or they died in some traumatic way. They have something that they sort of have to get off their chest, if you will. Mm-hmm. Have, or undone business or through. something, yeah. 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 Wow. Well, I'm at a loss for what else I can ask you. But I, I just want to know more, and I know we don't have the seven weeks to go on. Um, do you live, <laughs> Miles, do you live your life any differently now that you have this evidence? Do you think? Yeah, I think uh, to some extent, I, 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 there's a little monitor in me that says um, that's sort of aware of the impact that I have on the world, and that I want to make sure that it's a good impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm sure there are things I have resisted doing that I might have done otherwise. Um, maybe some things that I have done uh, to to reach out or to be nice or be kind in some way that that I might not naturally have had because it's not so much like I'm afraid of being punished or anything. It's just that you realize that 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 this isn't it. And, and um, you've got a long, 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 long life ahead of you. And might as well get started on the good parts now. Yeah, and I don't think it's ever too late to change your ways or to, uh, I don't even want to say make amends, but just start anew, you know? If you're 90 years old and have had a crummy life and are listening to this now as the very first time, I I think in this next five minutes you could make a difference for somebody else and uh, turn over a new leaf, so to speak, right? I think you can get started, yeah. Uh, ultimately, you're going to need to forgive yourself. Uh, because judgment is, it sounds sort of corny to say judgment is self, not corny, but it's, your judgment is self-judgment. No, there is nobody sitting on a throne dividing the sheep from the goats. It, it's your opinion of yourself. 
you have a conscience. Mm-hmm. You're the part of your spirit. Okay, you were born with it, and your conscience is what tells you right from wrong, essentially, nice from bad. Now, you can you can override that conscience. Your your rational mind can say, "Oh no, that's bullshit." Apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh no, that's crazy. But uh, it's still there. And when you die and you lose your physical body and you're living in your astral body, your conscience has much more power. And you're much more sensitive to it. So suddenly everything you knew was wrong in the past will come back to haunt you and you will feel terrible about those things until you work through it and manage ultimately to forgive yourself. Now that's a I don't know. I'm sound like I'm preaching now. I'm no, sorry. no, no, no. It, it helps though, because you know my life just flashed before my eyes, and some of the things I did maybe when I was a kid or whatever that may be. You know, I, I was just kind of seeing that. You know, to a yeah. Well, you say to yourself, I, 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 I shouldn't have done that. I'll never do that again, and uh, I forgive myself and move on. Yeah. Let it go. But as long as it haunts you, and you know the the, the serious stuff, these serious things will haunt you apparently much more and much stronger uh, in the next world. And that's what so-called judgment is all about. Hmm. But there's always hope, right? We can oh, well, forgive, it, we can... Absolutely. That you can't... <laughs> you say you don't die. Well, uh, your personality doesn't. I mean, and you continue, and you'll ultimately you'll get there. You know, you may take a lot of wrong turns and a lot of detours, but uh, you Again, I'm saying what the spirits say. I, mm-hmm. I, I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm, I'm just speaking in terms of the things that I have been told by them. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, everybody gets there sooner or later. Yeah, well, you've done an excellent job, Miles, of having me want more. <laughs> okay. So, I, hopefully for our listener as well. So, thank you, Miles, for being here today. Um, to our listener, we've been talking to Miles Edward Allen. And if you go to wedontdieradio.com and look at ex- episode number 52, you can see Miles' picture. And I'll have all the links to all of the sites that he has talked to us about. And um, I'm really excited about checking out his survivaltop40.com, too, just to read some of those stories. And sometimes it really helps to hear, when you ha- you hear enough stories, it's very hard for the inner skeptic to say, you know, this is garbage or this can't possibly be true. And just, just think for yourself, what would your life look like to really know? I mean, have that confidence and that truth that we survive physical death. I think... It, it's great, and it can really make a difference for how you live life now. So, Miles, thanks again for being here. Well, thank you. And if we can, if we can just open somebody's mind enough that they'll look into it, that's all we want. I don't expect to convince anyone uh, in a few minutes of talking. But, uh, right. But I know it does make a difference. And um, so for our listener, I've, thanks again for being here. My name is Sandra Champlain. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on Earth is important. So I just jotted this down from our guests, some words from Miles, is who you are will influence where you go. So remember to make it a great day. Remember to make a difference with another. Look back, make amends, forgive yourself now. 
and you'll have a, an incredible life ahead of you, both here and in the hereafter. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.